There was a couple of thoughts that came out of all of the readings for the lectionary. We're kind of attached to following the lectionary as 80% of churches do around the world, where these texts are laid out for us over a period, they kind of go a period of three years or so, and um, cover a lot of the big themes of the Bible. And so today, as this week as I was reading these texts, there were a couple of thoughts that came to me that I wanted to, I wanted to communicate to you that I felt a kind of presence of the Spirit on, so I'm going to submit those couple of thoughts to you from our readings this week. The first thought is just simply this. God is more responsible for our faith than we are. God is in pursuit of us. And really, this whole thing that even our gathering together, the scripture says there's nothing in us that seeks God, but the reason we seek is because God called to seek out of us. It's kind of like I never just think about going to the door to answer it unless I hear, right? It's that knock that elicits some kind of a response. In some way, this is how faith works. The reason that we even think of God the reason that we're even open to coming to places like this to worship or open our hearts is because the Spirit is wooing us and pulling at us. So again, God is more responsible for our faith than we are. But two, the second thought is, we still have to respond. We still have to answer the door. We still have to, to sort of open ourselves to what God is doing. Not legalistically, not because we're under compulsion, or not because we're trying to earn something with God. But we don't want God's favor, which is called grace, to be of no effect to us. There's a text in 2 Corinthians that says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. In other words, God's favor can be blasting at you and at me, but it can be without effect. That would be a tragedy. We want to, as believers in Christ, to open ourselves up to a God who's in pursuit of us so that whatever God's dream is that he's actively moving towards for our lives, we can actually encounter and experience. Grace is really God taking responsibility for our faith. And it's only vain when we don't seek his activity or God's activity. So let me go through two of the particular texts in the lectionary from today that sort of point this, these two ideas out. The first one is Psalm 24. And it starts out, the earth, do we have this on or no? Ah, oh, there we go. Well, that's the other one I said. <laughs> Psalm 24, yeah. So he starts out, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. All that the psalmist is saying is all that we see, all that we experience, even our breath, God's behind it, right? And then he says, for God has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. And then he shifts, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? In other words, who should come to this God who's acting and doing these things in creation? And who shall stand in God's holy place? He's talking about humans going after the one who is behind it all, a response from us because we see creation and we see all that is and there's something in us that wants to say, what's going on? That kind of ascending, that kind of arising, attending to what God is doing is what faith is. It's a faithfulness to a God who's working. 
Then verse four says, it's those who have clean hands and pure hearts who do not lift their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They, these people that begin to approach God, pushing away anything but wanting to understand this God who works, they receive blessing from the Lord. Notice the active verb there, that somehow God is blessing those that would dare to attend to his working. Again, that idea that God is the one who's responsible. And vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek this acting God, who seek the face of God, the one who's doing stuff, the God of Selah, or the God of Jacob. And then he says, Selah. In other words, this idea that God's blessing, God's vindication for our lives, it hits those who dare to look for the one who's acting that there's some way in which we have to respond to the God who's acting. And I think that because we don't always do that, again, we're not earning, we're just catching what God's doing. Because we don't, sometimes we miss God's blessing. And sometimes we miss God's vindication that he's offering to us, which means the grace is in vain. And then he goes on in verse seven. He says, lift up your heads. In other words, don't, don't let this escape you. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors. In other words, attend to the God who's in pursuit of us and doing for us, that the king of glory may come in. Man, what a cool idea that God wants to come in to your space, that God wants to come in to your life, that God wants to come into your friendships or come in to your career, that somehow God wants to be engaged and wrapped up with us. That's the promise. And then he says, who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. And then he says it again, lift up your heads. Don't be passive about this. God is at work. Lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, the king of, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Selah. I was at the, uh, in the Lake of the Ozarks. We've had a home there for about 20 years. And, um, and I was sitting on the deck, and there's this huge tree that, that has these branches that come out, and it's full of leaves now. I mean, it's summer. And it was just full of leaves, and it was just still. The leaves weren't moving. The, bows weren't, the, the, the branches weren't moving. It was just still. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the leaves started trembling, and all of a sudden, the whole thing started moving. And I didn't know where the wind came from or where it was going. It just came. And, and it made me obviously think of Jesus' words in John 3, where he says, Jesus answered, Verily, very truly I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God, the influence of God, the workings of God, the God who is at work. No one can actually enter into it because it can be vain for you. It can be happening, and you can be the intent of it, but you don't experience it. Nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sounds, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And I was, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how God is the one who comes to us like the winds move. 
on the earth. And that what if our job, what if the reason we come into places like this and spaces like this is just simply to put ourselves out there, (laughs) put our leaves out there and our branches out there and just to be there (laughs) in hope of the wind. What, 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 to just wait for the moments of stirring wind. Now, uh, trees can hang. I mean, a lot of times I'll sit out there and nothing happens. But it's like it's always ready for it to happen, those trees. What if we are to be wind catchers? Waiting for moments of stirring wind. What, what, what if that's the long and the short of the business of faith. Not that we are the ones that make things happen. Not that we're the ones that are trying to appease a God who's mad at us. But simply we're in the, in the midst of a God who acts all around us with his kingdom. And all we're supposed to do in belief of that is go. <laughs> the claim here is God will come. And we must believe that enough to dare to extend our lives, our branches, our leaves. How do we do that? Ah, oh, in not very exciting ways. <laughs> in things like prayer. The ancient Didache, this is an ancient book that actually preceded the first book of the New Testament, Galatians, written about 40-ish, 45-ish CE. And in that book, it's simply, uh, in which we still have copies of extant, it's still present because it was repeated. And in the Didache, it's instructions about how to live the way, the Christian way. And one of the things it says in there, besides coming to the table and gives explicit commands about that, one of the things it says in there is, pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. You all know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Hold on. What if, what, if, what if we're doing this? We'll finish it in a second. What if we're doing this simply to do this? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What if sometimes we just are to say that? We say it through our day. And maybe if we would just stop and just open. We may not feel that Huge wave of wind. But you know, sometimes when I watch those trees outside my, uh, off the deck, it's just little flitters. The leaves just go like this. And I go, and sometimes when I pray, it's not a big, huge, rushing wind. My bows, bows don't shake. It doesn't shake me. But I can sense this gentle something. I think we have to ask our question of ourselves as people in the way 
of Christianity, the way it's called? Are we living the way? Do you pray? Are you plagued by prayerlessness? Why not decide? Just, I'm going to stick out here a couple times a day. Just going to go after it. It's maybe why you're parked at a red light or maybe when you pull in to your, you know, after you've driven all from work or whatever, and before, as you put it on P and before you jump into the house, stop. Put it out there. Another very boring thing to do most of the time, although it's wonderful some of the time, is read your Bible. This is a profound message, I'm telling you. I just, it's so deep. You remember the old song? Read your Bible, pray every day. You don't remember it. And you'll grow, grow, grow. It's a bestseller. Listen, listen to the Hebrew writer. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. This is sacrificial language, right? About cutting open the heart. He says, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints, marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In other words, you're going along and you just think everything's peachy and you don't have any deception in your life. But when you come to the scripture, just even if it's a little bit every day, just a little, it has this way of piercing and penetrating. It's one of these ways you're just putting yourself out there. Nothing may happen. I mean, I, I used to read, I mean, I'd read through the Bible through the year, but I used to do the one-year Bible. That's a different process. And I'd read it through. And I remember often when I did it, I did it for years, and I would often tell the Lord, Lord, it's so boring. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, you get into numbers. <laughs> you know, it's like so-and-so begot so-and-so. I don't care. And I felt one time with this person, I do. I know those people. <laughs> But, but here's what I, what I felt like the Spirit said one of those years, I was doing it so many years ago, was that if you just keep reading it, every once in a while, I'll peek out to you. You know, uh, when you, those of you that have kids, you have one of those things, Jack in the Boxes. Bump! Right, goes the weasel. So it, it comes out, right? So, and that's what I do. You just read your Bible every day and it's really boring. But if you just stay with it, once in a while something will stop out at you. <laughs> and it's true. And I felt like the Spirit said to me, not only is that true, but if you stay with it, I'll start popping out again, but it won't just be as you're reading it, it'll be as you're living. You'll send something pop out of you. Something new. What if God is working? What if God is active? What if God is moving? But we don't catch it. Because instead of putting ourselves out there, like trees with branches and leaves, we're hiding in caves where the wind doesn't enter. Just groveling or doing something that doesn't catch the wind. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. 
It won't come back to be empty, but it will accomplish some stuff, what I desire. It'll achieve some purposes that I sent it. For you, this is the purpose, as a result of receiving his word. We'll go out in joy, and you'll be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills, this is circumstances, will burst into song before you, and the trees of the field <laughs> will clap their hands. Right? Instead of a thorn bush, you'll grow the juniper. Juniper, the juniper is a beautiful little green flourishing thing. Instead of briars, you'll have the myrtle, which is a flowering tree. It'll grow in your life. Instead of thorn bushes and briars, you'll have some green, beautiful plantings and flowering relationships and friendships and career. Life will be better. This will be for the Lord's renown, an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Read your Bible. Put yourself out there. Dare. Doesn't have to be long readings. I mean, you can even do that. Flip open and put your finger on it. <laughs> Just do something. <laughs> Some of you don't read that. You do it online. I'm sorry. All right. it, what if the central thing to seeking the God who is acting in this world is by doing these things like praying and reading the Bible. And if we ignore those things, and if we avoid sacred texts, what are we not experiencing in our lives? This is why I actually love the Book of Common Prayer, because it joins together, if you've never used it, it joins together both of those things, um, scripture and prayer, in little pieces. This is, this is a thing called the Divine Hours. It's actually a shortened version of the Book of Common Prayer that we pray together. And this is, this is by Phyllis Tickle, and this is an abbreviated version. I did this one this morning, right? So when you're by yourself, this is a great one to do. So let me do it for you real quick. It takes about three minutes. So here's how it opens. The call to prayer. Lord, love the Lord, all you who worship him. The Lord protects the faithful, but repays to the full those who act haughtily. Be strong. Let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And then here's the request for his presence. These are all texts of scripture. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock. Shine forth, you that are enthroned upon the cherubim. And then here's the greeting. How great is your goodness, O Lord, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have done in the sight of all. And then here's a refrain that repeats three times. I will bear witness that the Lord is righteous. I will praise the name of the Lord most high. When I read these, I usually just pause for a minute and that image of just sticking out there with these texts and with my heart. Sometimes I feel a little flutter. Sometimes I feel nothing. But I'm there. I'm there in the midst of a God who's working. And then there's a reading. This is a reading from the text of Matthew. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is forbidden on the Sabbath. Jesus answered, 
Have you not read what David did when he was and his men were hungry? He went into the house of God and they ate the sacred, sacred bread, though neither he nor his men had a right to eat it, but only the priests. Or have you not read in the law that the Sabbath of the priests and the temple break the Sabbath when they are not, and they are not held guilty? But I tell you, there is something greater than the temple here. If you had known what this text means, it is mercy I require, not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So that was the text. So sometimes I'll just sit for just a moment with the text. And then that refrain again. I will bear witness that the Lord is righteous. I will praise the name of the Lord most high. And then there's a little psalm. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters in all the deeps, fire and hail and snow and fog, tempestuous wind doing his will, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged birds, kings of the earth and all the peoples, princes of all the rulers of the world, young men and maidens and old and young together, let them praise the name of the Lord. Are you bored yet? The refrain again, I will bear witness that the Lord is righteous. I will praise the name of the Lord most high. And then we say glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. And then we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then the last two prayers. Lord God, this is today's. Whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, triumphed over the powers of death and prepared for us our place in the new Jerusalem. Grant that I, who have this day given thanks for his resurrection, may praise you in the city of which he is the light, where he lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, almighty and everlasting Father, you have brought me in safety to the beginning of this day. Preserve me with your mighty power, that I may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by adversity. And all you do, direct me to the fulfilling of your purposes. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. This is what the Jews did all through their expression of faith when they went to synagogue, when they went to temple. This is what the church did for the first couple, you know, for, since the beginning of it. They would pray these kinds of prayers. Why were they doing that? They were just sticking themselves out there and looking for God. I don't know why many of us as charismatics thought that this whole thing was about us, trying to make up stuff and trying to feel God and trying to have this great faith as if it was all on us and all on you. If bad things are happening in your life, you need to take charge of it in the name of Jesus. I mean, there's some space for that. But most of this is about God, not you. The reason you just do these things, as boring as they sound, is you're waiting for God. It doesn't have to be big spontaneous. It doesn't have to be big field, feeling. I mean, you should be open with your heart, but just following these patterns of the scripture and prayer, it's like you're just waiting for the magic. 
listen, listen to this text. It's not very glamorous. It's kind of robotish, and people sometimes freak out about that. But man, it gets me out there like a branch, and it puts my head to where I'm looking for. The winds, the strength, the activity of God. Listen to this text. This is out of Exodus. This is one of those texts you don't normally read. It's about the tabernacle and how it gets set up. Let's just read these about 12 verses. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. Well, that's good information. When Moses set up the tabernacle, watch this, he put the bases in place. He erected the frames, he inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Whoop, whoop, anyone feel revival yet? Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent, watch, as the Lord commanded him. Every one of these minute details that you read about how the tabernacle was set up, how the temple was set up, were all direct commands of God for them to perfunctorily just do it. Not only that, by the time David comes along, he adds all these other things that God told him to do, where they had certain people standing certain places and doing certain things and saying certain things. They weren't feeling all yippy-yabby about it. They were just doing it. What? Moses wasn't being creative here. He was not doing his own heart-made-up stuff so that he could feel like he was being genuine. That wasn't going on. He was just obeying. Then he took the tablets of the covenant law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the atonement cover over it. I just put together a bunch of uh, Ikea furniture. It kind of sounds like that to me. <laughs> then he brought the ark to the tabernacle, hung the shielding curtain, shielded the ark of the covenant law as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the curtain, and set the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle, that's important, and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. This wasn't Moses coming up with some new fog machine technology to have a fun time with the Lord. He was just perfunctory, obeying what God said. Then he put the curtain up at the entrance of the tabernacle. He set the altar burnt offering near the entrance of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, offered it on a burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his son used it to wash their hands and feet. And they washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting and approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Naked obedience. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar, put the curtain of the entrance on the courtyard, and Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. Here come the wind. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Shanda! They weren't trying to rev it up. 
They weren't trying to make it theirs. They were just coming. I will bear witness that the Lord is righteous. I will praise the name of the Lord Most High. But if you do that and you put yourself out there, God will come. Say today, no idea. But God will come. And some days you'll feel God stronger and other days just a tired and some days nothing. But you, your faithfulness is to show up God's faithfulness is to act. I spent years working up my own prayers, trying to get all spiritual. I no longer spend much time on spontaneous or trying to be authentic in my prayer life. I do give specific concerns and I do pray things that come to my heart. But my main prayer deal is just to take prayers like this and I just stick it out there like a branch of leaves and I just wait. I'm just in. I'm just in this, this way. I love it. That's the, 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 in the English language, there's the dative sense. What the dative sense is, is like a, a, my, my son has a dog named Willa who hopefully will pass soon. But anyway... <laughs> No, no, I, <laughs> animal fan I'm not. But anyway, uh, Willa, so just in this statement, listen, Michael took Willa to the vet. In that sentence, Willa is the dative sense. What does that mean? Michael's acting on Willa to take her to the vet. The vet's, act, vet's acting on Willa because the Willa's been brought to the vet. But Willa's doing nothing except being there. She's just there. So Willa is taken by Michael to the vet. See, all we're supposed to do is be there. We're the dative. We're just, I'm here praying these prayers. I'm here opening my heart to scripture. I'm just here, I'm a dative, I'm in, I'm part of this. This is the way that I live. I do these prayers. I come to church. That's why I come to church. I'm, I've discovered that when the wind comes, you get all juniperish and myrtle So when we come to church, all I'm hearing is I'm trying to stick out. I'm not trying to get all wooed up and I'm not trying to get all excited by some new revelation from the scriptures. I just am here. I just show up. And I sing and I hear the texts and I hear the preaching and I come to this table. Is it always amazing and exciting? Not usually. Sometimes. But it is how we stick out there and wait for the wind. And I know I always at least get a gentle brush when we were singing the songs this morning. There was a couple of points in there when we were singing those songs and you ride them. I just felt, not heavy, but just I felt, I felt my leaves wiggling a little. I love the wiggling. <laughs> Man, I love the wiggling. I love it any time I sense any gentle blowing of the Spirit. I'm in, man. 
We do this because God has already committed an engagement. So this is my last text. This is Ephesians 1. I've gone too long. Um, this is Ephesians 1. It's in the lectionary. Notice all the active verbs and who's doing them. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ and put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are first to put our hope in Christ, stick it out there, man, Put your hope in Christ. Put out your branches. Put out your leaves. Show up. Even when you don't feel like it, just come in. One of the best habits you can do is come to church. Say some prayer. Just make it a habit. Say, I don't feel like I even believe in God today. Who cares? <laughs> you don't have to believe in God to do this. <laughs> just stick it out. God just said, if you seek me, I've rigged it. You will find me. And then he says, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. You were marked in him with a seal. And then verse 14, we have a guarantee of our inheritance to the praise of his glory. So again, here are the two thoughts. God is more responsible for our faith than we are. But secondly, we have to respond to what God's doing. Not legalistically, not under compulsion, but because we do not want the grace of God to be in vain. So, bad news is, this is hard work. It's hard work. We have to be steady and consistent and stay fixed, sticking our branches out there, ready to catch the wind. This is why the psalmist said things like, I waited patiently for the Lord. Do you? This is often boring and achy, if not grueling. I remember my kids used to say, Dad, I'm so bored. And I would say to them, this is great because you will never be spiritual if you can't be bored. But we're in a culture that was caught by the, the nemesis, the bad guy in one of the movies in the 90s that said there's no such thing as good or evil. There's only, only fun and boring. That's the thinking of money in the generations in our world, in America. 
There's no good and evil, just fun and boring. Listen, if you don't have an acumen for boredom, you will never taste the grace of God very much. You'll be a thorn bush and a briar. You have to wait. In Isaiah, God said this, yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me. Have you wearied yourself? That's why I do this. Here we go again. Weary. But what I found out is if we dare to weary ourselves, if we dare when we come to the table and, and we, we, we say, you know, uh, and, and open our hearts and we, we say, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Right? Th- these kinds of things that we're doing may just sound rote to you, mechanical to you, but I'm telling you, this is what we do. We're in this because we're obeying God and we're not trying to feel good. This isn't about coming here and feeling warm and wonderful by the music and then getting fed by the word of God. So you go out and say, ah, oh, it was pretty good music. It was not quite what my cup of tea. But you know, the preaching, you know, it was a little bit boring. I prefer so-and-so and he preaches. Who are you? you you're making God into some kind of, a, you know, your deal? This isn't about you. This is about God. We come in and go, I don't care who's singing. I don't care what's being read. I don't care what's being preached. I don't care how long this table takes. I'm here, baby. I'm in. I'm a dative. My name's Willa. Because I want juniper and myrtle stuff going on. I want the wind of God. Amen.